0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to uh, episode number 43 of the Fire Nuggets podcast. Uh, today we have Eric Haskins. Uh, he is a firefighter from Idaho. We're going to kind of dissect his career so far and everything he's got going on and uh, has been involved with so far. Uh, first, we want to say thanks to our sponsor, Vanguard Safety Wear. some of the best gloves in the market. Go ahead and check them out. Good people doing good things. So, uh, Eric, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, uh couldn't have uh, Nick or any of the other fellows on today. So it's uh just me, Jeff, uh interviewing you. So uh right pretty pretty excited to kick this off. So let's kind of talk about um before you were even in the fire service, you sent me a, a pretty awesome bio. So <laughs> let's let, let's talk about this. Uh you were part of the US Project Gold Snowboard team. Let's talk yeah.
1: about that. Oh man. Um yeah, my wife always said uh, you know i've lived like nine lives and and a lot of them i've I've kind of tried to just put behind me and focus on on the one i'm living now but uh yeah so uh let's see uh i was a member of the the u.s project gold snowboard team uh and I, I grew up i was playing ice hockey pretty much my whole childhood and then uh i i switched to uh try the snowboard thing and and then i just i just stuck with it And uh, that led to uh, when I was 17, I I moved down to uh, Steamboat Springs, Colorado to uh, pursue uh, really like my dream of uh, getting on the national team and and going to the Olympics and and those things. And um, after moving down there, uh, I was selected to uh, the the Project Gold team and spent uh, six years on the pro tour uh, traveling around. Uh, competing um, around the world and uh, ended up uh, retiring in 2009 just before the uh, the Winter Olympics uh, which was my goal my goal was that I wanted to go and compete in uh, the 2010 Olympics at Whistler and uh, I lost my World Cup spot uh, just before that and so when it came time to uh, to think about whether I was going to gonna continue on that career path or, or move on uh, another four years on tour uh, living out of a suitcase and uh, uh, dealing with the injuries and and that life um, I was I was just ready to move on so 2009 I, I retired from snowboarding and uh, began a, a new chapter in my life after that
0: All right did you have like uh, an event that that you uh, mostly did like half pipe big air um, what was your, your event?
1: Yeah. So, uh, back then when it, when it came to competing, um, you know, it was kind of, kind of at the uh, beginning phases of, of snowboarding and, and those things. And so back then, like you competed in everything. So you'd have competitions on the weekend and, uh, you did everything. Uh, back then it was half pipe border cross. And, uh, then, the the speed events like giant slalom or or slalom. And so, you know you you competed in all those uh and you could you could win you know one or the other or at the end of the weekend could be kind of crowned the overall champ and so uh I competed in all the events uh for many years. I, I really took to uh <laughs> uh I I realized I was not good at half pipe. Um pretty early on I, I had the opportunity uh this was many years ago but I was uh trained with uh sean white i'm sure you've heard of him and uh we were we were in the same group and uh we were practicing uh some some tricks at at mount hood and uh like i was working on like real basic stuff and he went up to the coach and was like oh man i want to do uh i want to try a crippler i've never done that before and at that time that was that was probably the most difficult trick and uh and so the, the coach kind of went through it with him. And I remember watching him just, like, fly down the top of the half pipe, dropped in. And, and so this is, like, a this is a super pipe. So the, the walls are 20 feet uh, before you even, like, you know, get above the lip, right? And so his first attempt, I think he shot, like, 14 or 15 feet out of the pipe, threw a crippler, landed it, and then, like, rode up and was like, okay, that was awesome, like, next trick and i just remember thinking like yeah like i this is probably not my discipline because that's the most impressive thing i've ever seen and and i don't have that so uh probably my my events that i enjoyed and 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 were the best at were, were uh was border cross and then the uh the giant slalom and slalom events um mount hood uh ended up breaking my back racing in border cross um Cracked five of my vertebrae, and then was never quite the uh the same border cross racer after that. So I, I transitioned to the the parallel events, um, which were you know the downhill speed events, and then that became my pursuit
0: for uh for the Olympics. Well, awesome! Thanks for that uh, for that background. So then, then you re- retire from that, and you start going to school at uh, Boise State University, and you uh you pick up hockey right
1: yeah yeah so so i had uh my last year competing snowboarding i was living up in alberta and i was training with the canadian team and and every day we would uh kind of finish up finish up the day and and we'd have to go in and, and do recovery and sit on like these these bike ergs forever and, uh, I just hated it. Like the monotony of it. You'd sit there. And so, uh, some of the guys were going and playing like shinny at, at the, uh, the, the outdoor uh, rink as like recovery. And so one day I, I went and, uh, I was like, Hey, can I just go play hockey? And they didn't know that I, I grew up, I played hockey my entire life. And, and so I went out there and, and played hockey and they were surprised by this American that could somehow, somehow play with them. And, uh, so, uh, when it came time to retire, a lot of the guys, especially my coach, um, encouraged me to to pursue uh, hockey um, instead of just kind of giving up sports and athleticism altogether. And so, uh, I ended up getting recruited by Boise State to to play ice hockey for him. I'd never been to uh, Boise before, and I'd only driven through it, but it sounded like a like an awesome opportunity. And uh, went down there on a recruitment trip and was like, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. And so ended up uh, going to Boise State, uh, pursuing a degree in exercise physiology and, and playing college hockey for the four years I was there.
0: Is is their ice blue like their football field?
1: <laughs> so that is the uh, the number one uh, uh, question I get asked. And, and no, it's not. But uh, it was pretty calm to the point where I just finally started saying yes. It's like, oh, totally. Yeah, we, you know, we've got Smurf ice. But uh, no, they don't have blue ice. But at that time, we were the only um, uh, college sport that served beer at, at our games. And so that was kind of one of our main uh, publicity things to to get students in the stands was, uh, you know, we sell beer at our games. so
0: Hell yeah. Um, Was, was the fire service next or was it your strength and conditioning next?
1: Yeah. So fire service had, had kind of come in and out of my life multiple times. It seemed like I was on this track and it just kept coming back. Uh, When I retired from snowboarding, uh, one of the the physical therapists working on me was, was also a, a local firefighter. And so he had talked to me and at that point I, I was pretty, uh, I was pretty lost as far as what I was going to do. I, you know, I thought I'd be snowboarding for the rest of my life. And then, uh, you know, at 24, 25, all of a sudden, uh, that was over. And so, um, that was kind of the, the first real introduction as I went and, and did a ride along with him and, and then, you know, extending my insur- you know, whatever, uh, kind of came back to it later. And, and when I graduated from, from Boise state, I, I moved up north uh, to Coeur Lane and opened up a gym. and uh, that uh, that experience i I went up there. I brought my girlfriend up there, and she was she was so miserable that uh, she just did not want to be there anymore and and so i I wasn't very fulfilled uh, up there uh, owning a gym, and uh, so I was actually pursuing uh going into the army. I wanted to go special forces and uh looking into signing an 18x contract. And but I was coming up on my 30th birthday. So the the recruiter was uh like hey you know if you're gonna do this we got to get you going right away and I had taken a bunch of tests and it was kind of the point where all right you gotta you got to lock everything up. Cause if, you know, in the unlikely event that you make it through the pipeline, you won't be back for, for two years. And so that day I went home and told my girlfriend and she was like, ah, oh, that's great. I, I think you'd be wonderful at it. I just won't be here when, when you get back. And so, uh, that started a conversation of, you know, what would you stick around for? And she, uh, she'd mentioned, you know, you've always talked about the fire service. You've got good friends, um, back in Southern Idaho, uh, would you, you know, would you consider giving them a call and trying to get on the job? And I, I just asked her if if she would stick around if I did that. And uh, she said yes. So I gave my buddy Frank a call and said, hey, man, I'm going to sell my gym. Uh, I'd, I'd like to uh, get into the fire service. Is there anything you can do to help me? And he said, sell the gym. We'll send a group up there to help you pack up. Uh, you and your girlfriend can move in with us. We'll dedicate uh, everything to uh, to preparing, and, and we'll and we'll get you on the job as as soon as we can. And so that that was kind of what led me led me back here to uh, the Nampa Boise area. And then uh, you know that girlfriend uh, she stuck around. Uh, she's now my wife, and, and we've got two kids. And uh, I actually sit in the back seat on uh, Frank's engine here in Nampa. So you could say it kind of kind of worked out.
0: Awesome. But before you became, uh, the backsepper for Frank, you started in Caldwell, right?
1: Yeah. Shout uh, out to so, Gino. Oh yeah. Gino Cali. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's funny, man. I, I did, uh, Gino's Academy, uh, when he came through, man. Um, so I had a good time working with Gino, but, uh, so yeah, I, you know, I, I'd moved in with Frank, and and the whole goal was was try to get on with Nampa. But at that time, it was like, hey man, like test, test for everywhere. You know, test test everywhere. Just get on um, anywhere you can. Uh, don't be so selective. And and I thought that was good advice. And so I was testing everywhere. And um, you know, I ended up not. Uh, my national registry was delayed, uh, getting back to me. So. I actually missed the the test, uh, for Nampa by like an hour. Uh, so we were pretty crushed by that, but, uh, Caldwell ended up uh, calling shortly thereafter and, and offering me position. So, uh, I, I started in, in Caldwell, had, had an amazing time. And then, uh, you know, I started there in 2016 and then in, in 2019, Nampa had a, a lateral uh, position open up and, uh, I gave in to some uh, uh, some peer pressure and uh, also met with their chief and, and decided to make the jump from from Caldwell to Nampa at that time.
0: Well, good. That's kind of what you wanted, you know, so that uh, that works out with the the grand plan.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, I I was I was really happy at Caldwell uh, at, at that time. We were getting a lot of work, and I was just having a blast. Uh, I was surrounded by really good firefighters. And, uh, you know, I really had no interest in leaving Caldwell and of course, Frank and some other friends were, were kind of getting at me to, uh, to come over and I just, I had no interest. And then actually their, uh, one of their, their chiefs called me and, and, uh, asked if, if I'd be willing to meet with him and, and I asked him, you know, about what, and uh, he said, you know, I, I, you know, we've had these lateral hires and I want to know why we can't get uh like guys like you to come over and lateral over. And so I'd like to meet with you and, and then hopefully you can help us, you know, guide our, our process where we can where we can rec- recruit better. And so I was like, okay, that's cool. Um again, no interest in in coming over to Nampa. And I went and met with him and and he was like right out of the gates, you know, I'll be completely transparent with you. You can Ask me anything you want, um, you know, nothing's off the table. And so we sat there for a few hours and just talked about everything from you know his organization to uh, to what I was doing. And and um, by the end of that, I walked out. And I remember my my uh, girlfriend was you know so so how'd that go? And uh, I just remember telling her like I want to work for that guy. And so it was that meeting that really. It was like a hundred and eighty degree turn that uh you know I went from having no interest to I want to work for him and uh be involved in in his organization. So
0: awesome. Uh let's talk a little bit about Nampa. Um, you know, I I I know a lot of good firefighters from Idaho, you know, a lot of them are from Eagle, some from Boise. And uh, you know, I if if anybody hears a story about, you know, like Eagle, you know, like they're like a small department that everybody knows, you know, so sure. fill us in on Nampa. Tell us, tell us what, uh, tell us what we want to know.
1: Yes. Yeah, so, uh, Nampa, you know, it's all part of this tre- treasure Valley, right. And and we've really seen a, a lot of growth here where it kind of, you know, starts, starts with, with Boise and then it goes, you know, all along this corridor, uh, Boise Eagle, uh, Meridian, uh, CUNA star Nampa, Caldwell and it's kind of all on this corridor and and uh you know it's it's pretty much like, you know, as you get farther away from Boise, uh kind of kind of the worse it the worse it gets. Right. And then there's there's Caldwell kind of at the end and Nampa and and I think we kind of take some pride that uh that uh you know it, it's it's maybe a little more uh blue collar or maybe a little more hood out, out in our neck of the woods. Uh, we, we like it that way. And so, uh, that's kind of most time I just say, yeah, I'm from the Boise area. Cause if you say Nampa, they're like, oh, wine country. And it's like, no, no, no. Um, uh, like Nampa and and no one knows of it, but, uh, yeah, Nampa's uh a small department. Uh, we just opened up a, a six station. Um, and, uh, we've got, we run, uh, six engine companies. We've got a truck, a ladder, uh, a rescue uh and a battalion um and so you know like our our busier stations uh are running you know over three thousand runs a runs a year which for around here is like pretty good uh we don't uh transport which i think everybody likes but uh yeah that's that's it's kind of uh kind of nampa if, if if that answers your question or if you want to know more
0: yeah no I, I was just kind of looking for a brief overview um is the is the rescue staffed full- time or is it is it a jump
1: well so so the when i say rescue uh it's it's our two-man truck okay so uh or i think uh we're, we're calling it a squad so yeah it's a it's a two-man squad and and we just brought that back into service but it's not uh yeah we don't have a like a traditional like rescue like uh, most most departments do
0: Okay. So before we get to kind of what you're most well known for, uh, being like strength and conditioning, I, I want to, uh, touch base on the Georgia smoke divers. So we can kind of leave all the strength and conditioning stuff together. Cause it's sure. kind of, kind of a big section. So, sure. um, let's talk about, uh, Georgia smoke diver. You were the first Idaho. And then, uh, our good friend, we just interviewed not too long ago, Brian Olson, I believe he was number three. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Uh, just just kind of tell us about the program, you know, uh, Smoke Daddy, you know, doing it. So, fill us in.
1: Yeah, uh, Georgia, man. That's um, so why I, I first uh, heard about that program uh, when I was with Caldwell. I uh, one of my buddies uh, was talking about a friend that had just gotten on with Boise Fire. He had he had come over from uh, Georgia and that he was a smoke diver. And, uh, you know, I was like, Oh, what's, what's a smoke diver. And he's like, man, they're, they're the Navy SEALs of the fire service. And I was like, when he said, I was like, Oh man, like, tell me more that that sounds super awesome. And, and he, and he didn't know much about it. Uh, he just showed me the, the website, which, uh, you know, may or may not be designed to not give a lot of information. And so, uh, but at that time, you know, the things that I was looking for, and, uh, the type of training and the intensity and, and the community and and the, the people I was trying to surround myself with, uh, from the things that I had kind of researched, Georgia was like, man, I gotta go, I gotta go find out what this, what this thing is all about. And, and there, you know, there wasn't any information out there. All I knew is that, you know, I, I wanted the most difficult training in the fire service that that's what I wanted. And, uh, at the time that was kind of the common consensus of, uh, the Georgia smoke diver school was arguably the most difficult training in the fire service. And so I was like, awesome. Like I'm, I'm going. And, uh, so yeah, I I went down there, not knowing what I was kind of getting into other than hoping it was something. And, and, uh, from it, like, I would say that I got everything that I was looking for and, and more. Um, I was the, the first one to graduate from, uh, to be successful from Idaho. Um, and then when I got back, uh, you know, guys like Brian and, and, uh, Idaho too, is guy named Garrett Lyons. He's a Boise guy. You know, they reached out right away and wanted to know more. And so kind of in the years since then, uh, I've been trying to, um, you know, help people as they look for information without compromising the, uh, the integrity of the program.
0: Awesome. There's probably a perfect segue actually getting your strength and conditioning things, but do since, you know, anybody that knows a small little glimmer of that program, they know it's, it's a lot of uh, mental things as well as a lot of you know fit, like you got to be physically fit right otherwise you're going to get destroyed yeah so like do you uh have like a physical fitness program that you kind of w- would mirror around that because i know uh you know following brian's instagram page you know when he was gearing up for that he showed everything you know he yeah. was doing so and it was it was very regimented so it was good
1: yeah yeah i met i met with uh with brian and uh gave him some recommendations at the time um you know on their website they had like a pdf that had like you know five basic workouts and i looked at that before i went and i was like okay there there appears to be this emphasis on calisthenics uh running and then working out in gear and so in my lead up to Georgia, not knowing what I was doing other than what I saw on this PDF, I was like, okay, like, um, one, I hope this is like full on like buds. And so I'm going to get really good at these calisthenics. I'm going to get good at running and I'm going to spend a lot of time in gear. And, uh, those, those things, um, prepared me really well for, for what I, I saw down there. Uh, since then, um, I uh, you know, I feel a lot of questions, you know, how how do you prepare for for Georgia? And so I'm I'm pretty um careful uh to, again to protect the integrity of the program and and not give away information that isn't like readily available. Uh but one of the projects that I worked on when when I got back was uh was I wanted to one like how do I get back to the program? And, and one of the things I did was design a physical training guide for, uh, the Georgia Smoke Diver School. Uh, and I I really looked at, uh, you know, so if familiar with like, uh, you know, the Navy SEALs, they have a, a physical training guide available for free on their website that is designed to, you know, make candidates successful, at least on the, on the physical training side of things. And, and it, Earlier in life, I'd known about that because I, I wanted to go to Special Forces. Originally, I wanted to be a SEAL. So I, I knew about these resources. I just thought, like, uh, man, um, you know, I, we should have something like that for Georgia that can guide people, um, and it should be free. And so that kind of set me off on a project that I worked on for a while and, and uh, resulted in the physical training guide that's available on their website for free. And that is designed, you know, uh, pretty pretty much around like what I would recommend how to how to physically train for that. So, you know, what uh, I felt led to my success, and then also you know things that I would have done differently. Um, so, you know, as far as like a program that I would recommend for that, uh, I, I I steer everybody towards that physical training guide. And I think the, the people that, that stick to that, um, see more success than say, like another common thing you see is, is people will go off and get some, uh, you know, soft program or, you know, some Navy SEAL special elite military PT program. And then they fail miserably down in Georgia and in talking to some of them, it's like you have to understand that those those seal or you know special operator programs are designed specifically for those like units and those operations. They aren't designed for Georgia, um, and so you know you, you don't see a lot of success with that that sort of training. And that's again where I would just go back and the physical training guide really outlines um, kind of the, the physical demands and where people should should place a focus and i think uh you know it it's led to to, uh to higher success rates i think in the pt um and the people that uh you know stray from that um you know can can be less successful at times
0: well thanks for uh thanks for expounding on that um, now let's kind of talk about the next, next piece you sent me. So, um, you know, you got your degree in exercise science, um, you know, looking at exercise physiology and, you know, your national strength and conditioning, uh, certified strength and conditioning specialist, tactical strength and conditioning facilitator and the uh, West bar West side barbell conjugate tactical coach kind of tell yeah. it, That's a very long, it's sentence, a mouthful, man. Nice, yes. nice job. Nice job. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah. Tell us about uh, kind of all that. How you got involved, what you did, and uh, you know, how it uh, helped be who you are today.
1: Yeah. So the uh the strength and conditioning side, you know, I, I I'd always enjoyed training, especially in uh you know snowboarding. I I was really fortunate. I worked with you know national team strength and conditioning coaches, and and I always loved like the training aspect of it. And then you'd, you'd get to go off and compete and really put your training to, to a test and then come back. But, you know, I always enjoyed the science behind it. And, and um. so when I went to school, uh, originally I wanted to be a physical therapist and uh, I went through, I got exercise phys and and the degree that I was pursuing um, set me up good to get the, uh, the NSCA CSCS and as I got closer to going to physical therapy school, uh, the less I wanted to do it. So I was interning at, at multiple like PT offices and, um, man, I, I just hated the system. Uh, it seemed like, uh, at least the places that I was working were just interested in like turning tables. It was like, you know, get them in. So I'd go there and, and, uh, you know, the PT would be like, you know, Hey, this guy's coming in next, here's a sheet. You know, it was basically just like a PDF. It's like, okay, this is for a rotator cuff injury, take them through the exercises and then shoot them out the door. And and I just hated that cookie cutter approach. And and as I got closer to going to PT school, um, I just realized this is not not the direction I, I want to go. I'm I'm interested in training, I'm interested in strength and conditioning, and I want to coach. You know, I want to make an impact and work with people. And so that was kind of the deciding factor to, to go open up a gym instead of going to PT school, um, with, with my background and, uh, sports and those things. And then, um, you know, my formal education and strength and conditioning, when I joined the fire service, I had a, a really important conversation with, a with an officer that I was working with and it was early on and, you know, I was just trying to find my way and, And he just kind of looked at me. He's like, you know, what, what's your thing? And I was like, you know, what do you mean? And he started pointing around the bay. He's like, you know, see that guy over there, you know, that's underneath the engine uh, turning wrenches. Well, before joining the fire service, he was a mechanic. And so he's our guy when it comes to like fixing, you know, the engines and, and working and turning wrenches. And then that guy over there, his side job is construction. And so, you know, he's our go-to guy for building construction. And, uh, you know, we had one guy that sold uh fire sprinkler systems and who do you think gave like the best fire sprinkler system class, like in that department, like that dude. And so he kind of just said, you know, what is it that, that you have, uh, you know, like a unique background in that you can bring to us, uh, to help us. And, and I said, well, you know, I've got this formal education and strength and conditioning And, uh, you know, I've worked with professional athletes, uh, Olympic gold medalists, uh, college sports teams, like I've worked with a lot of different groups and I was like, you know, I could, I could help out with like our fitness. And, uh, you know, he kind of said, look around, man, like, I think we could probably use a little bit of help on the fitness side of things. And so that, that was kind of my, he he kind of just opened that door for me to, uh, to say, hey, you know, I, I've got some information that I can share with you uh that might help some of you guys. And from there it, it really kind of um uh the trajectory was was steep after that. Uh working with my buddy Frank, you know, we started a, a company and we started working with departments all over uh, the area and the state with uh building out like a recruit academy PT programs. And from there it just continued to grow and kind of since this has happened, it's just kind of been organic growth of, of trying to apply and, and, and leverage my, my experience and strength and conditioning and, and how, how can I use that to assist like the fire service? You know, we're in, we're in dire need of, of, of help on, on that side of things. And so that's really the mission is to, to try to create, um, and assist, you know, Uh, our community with, with good strength and conditioning that uh, will not only increase fire ground performance, but uh, lead to like a decrease in the risk of death and injury. And, and uh, so that's kind of how the the strength and conditioning is is now transformed into, you know, what I'm trying to do and, and help with in the fire service.
0: Nice. Um, now let's kind of look more towards what you're doing now. So you, are, uh, you're the co-founder of uh, brotherhood and training and the head coach for firehouse strength and conditioning. Let's, let's kind of talk about, I, I know it's you and Frank, you know, give us, give us a synopsis of, uh, where it's been, where it's at, you know, where it's possibly going and what you guys do now. You know, I know you guys offer online training and and things like that. So, uh, fill us in shameless plug away, you know, do it up.
1: Yeah. i Uh, yeah, this is probably my least favorite part, but, uh, yeah. So brotherhood and train, um, again, we, we kind of formed that, that company to, uh, work with departments and especially with their, uh, like recruit academies. And so for years we've gone in and, and, uh, worked with training divisions and a lot of, uh, like train the trainer type things where, you know, we'll develop a program for them, um, and then go in and do a, do a two day workshop where we work with their instructors so that they can deliver the program. And, and, you know, I'm not a good businessman. Uh, It's not a good business model to basically um, eliminate myself from, from long-term, but like, that's the goal is to give them the tools that they need so that like they don't need, you know, us anymore. And so brotherhood and training right now is, uh, you know, we, we do a lot of efforts with uh, departments. Uh, again, whether it's recruit academies or online programs, and then working with their trainers, so that they can be be self sufficient. Um, firehouse strength and conditioning was was kind of a concept that uh, I'd I'd been tossing around for a while. But you know, I I talked about it. You do, I do these two day seminars, and I would I would give like all this information and it would culminate in programming and everything. And at the end, you know, the, the goal was like, after two days, your people should be able to like take this information and run with it. And the same question I got pretty much every time was like, hey man, like how much to just pay you to do that? And they were just, you know, many people were overwhelmed and they were like, you know, that looks like a lot of work. And it's like, yeah, yeah, it is a lot of work. And so... I was constantly like, okay, well, what program would you do? And so firehouse strength and conditioning was kind of, you know, my answer of, uh, all right, like here is the the program that, that I, you know, have designed for the fire service specifically and uh, just going to make it readily available to everybody. And uh, the program, like I said, is designed specifically for firefighters. Um, with the demands of the job in mind, uh, things that uh, it focuses on is building maximal strength, explosive power, and building work capacity, uh, as well as you know reducing injuries. And uh, you know that that's available for twenty bucks a month on a, a platform called Train Heroic. And you know since rolling that out, you know that's the that's the program that I do. And since then, like that's you know kind of uh, gotten quite a bit of momentum and you know now working with uh, departments, you know uh, across the ocean um, and coast to coast. Um, and And it's become, you know it's pretty exciting to to be working with departments and firefighters all over the country offering you know what I what I think is a, a good strength and conditioning program designed specifically for our job. So that's, that's kind of been my main focus, uh, for the last couple of years.
0: Nice. Uh, could you possibly give like a, a brief look at what a, uh, training looks like? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm going to say the C word, like I, I, I do yeah. CrossFit, <laughs> you know? Yeah, sure, and man. Yeah. yeah. So like, like, like I do it, but, uh, I, I like more of like a, like a John Wellborn, like way back in the day, like uh yeah, CrossFit man. football. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, could you like toss us a uh, like what a training session looks like real quick?
1: Yeah. Um. And and first, like uh, John Wellborn, man. Like I love that guy. Uh. He's he is uh, he's really awesome. I I like what he's doing. Uh. CrossFit, man. That you know that's funny. It's the C word, right? Um. I think CrossFit is great. Uh. I think when the the methodology and everything is applied correctly, um. It is extremely effective at, uh, you know, improving fitness and especially in the early days, you know, you saw such a, uh, a large gravitation from the tactical populations because it was so effective at building work capacity for, you know, military law and firefighters. And, and so it's not uncommon for it to, you know, still be so popular, but it's, it, it also carries with it, uh, you know, as people don't understand it, um, you know, things that people don't understand they can be afraid of, or um, you know, there's also the risk of injury just like anything. So uh, so kind of see how I want to break this down. So like a, a typical session, you know, kind of break things into, into two pieces. So it's strength and conditioning. And on the strength side of things, in general, there are three ways to increase strength. Uh, one is to increase uh, the motor units uh, involved in, in the movement, uh, two would be to increase the rate of force development. So just think like acceleration or speed. And then the third would be to increase the size of the muscle. And so in general, that kind of outlines the three ways that we can improve your strength here, like in the West, um, there has been pretty much since a guy named Arnold Schwarzenegger came over. Uh, has been a, a, a huge focus on just one aspect, which was increasing the size of our muscles, right? Uh, people want to look good naked. And so they lift in a certain way that makes them look bigger, but doesn't ultimately lead to performance increases. And so, you know, that would be your typical, like, repetition method uh, that is, you know, you're lifting submaximal weights to near near failure, right? So your you're classic, like, you know, three by eights and three by twelves and and those things. Um, it's it's the other two that most people miss. And and so how do we how do we increase the amount of motor units involved? And and that is uh, utilizing something called the max effort method. And so that is is lifting the maximal weight, um, meaning in, in what we would call like ninety percent or above. And that is going to recruit the maximal motor units and increase strength. Uh, that adaptation comes like neurologically. So a lot of that has to do with your central nervous system, the rate of force development, or when we think about, you know, acceleration and the ability to, to create power, um, that comes from lifting submaximal weights very fast. And again, that adaptation Uh, is has to do it's neurological it has to do with the central nervous system so the nice things about those two methods is they don't leave people sore because the adaptation uh, has more to do with your nervous system than actual the breakdown of your muscles and those things um, that that would end up leaving you sore so uh, using those three methods being the maximal effort method uh, the dynamic effort method which is how we build explosive power it's that lifting sub weights at, 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 high velocity. Um, and then the repetition method, which, which most people are familiar with, right. Lifting weights to, to near, near failure as far as, you know, high volume. When we use those three methods in conjunction with one another, where we are, are, are trying to develop multiple qualities at once, that would be called the, the conjugate method. And so that's, uh, how I use, um, or how you know my strength and condition program is is utilized, um, utilizing the, the conjugate method to develop all these qualities, and so a typical training session is going to depend on like what is kind of our main goal for the day, and so if we're trying to build maximal strength, then the main session or that session would look like, say starting with a, like a heavy lower body exercise. Uh, we'll just take back squat and you're going to work up to uh, singles or efforts at 90% or above. And, you know, there's an important rule there that when people think max effort, you know, they they see form breaking down, people dropping weights, and, and this is where people are going to get hurt. So a, a maximal effort is lifting the heaviest weight possible without sacrificing technique and, and moving to failure. And so it's very important to keep that kind of rule in mind when we're doing this. And so that session would be working up to some heavy singles in the back squat. And then as the exercises that follow, um, those are going to start to move more towards isolated movements, um, that are going to be targeting specific muscle groups. And we would use a repetition method for that. So now you're going to start seeing your five by fives, uh, your three by tens and those things. Cause in those areas, we're trying to build muscle that, uh, can support the main lift. And so the whole program, like within that session is designed to support each other within that session, as well as for sessions to come. So that would be like a, a typical max effort, uh, session. So maybe back squat, heavy singles, uh, maybe we do a five by five deadlift, and then we'll do some, some lunges with much lighter weight to, uh, develop to develop like single leg work, some quads and hams and those things. Uh, another type of session would be if we're trying to build explosive power. So utilizing different methods now, it might be if, if say using the back squat as an example, instead of working up to heavy singles, we're going to be using light weights, say, you know, maybe 50% of your one rep max. And we're going to do that for a five by five. And the priority isn't the weight. The priority is the speed we have to attain these high speeds to develop explosive power. And so for a, for a dynamic effort, lower session, yeah, maybe it's a a back squat five by five at 50%, which a lot of people have trouble with. They're like, well, you know, I don't, I don't feel sore after this, you know, it's not heavy enough. And uh, you know, how does this work? And uh, it's just trying to explain to them that, you know, this is part of a bigger system and you know we're going to build explosive power which will end up contributing to your overall strength and again the rest of that session starts to to roll out and start isolating smaller muscle groups that would be say maybe lagging or high risk for injury that now we're going to isolate those and try to bring those up so that we can reduce your risk of injury and they contribute more to the main lift does that make sense yeah um So, and like for, for physics, right? So, uh, kind of how, how, how the methods work together. So force equals mass times acceleration. If I want to increase force, I really have two variables that I can, I can modify there. One is the mass. So I can increase the mass that I'm lifting and I would use the max effort method to do that. Or if I want to increase force, I can increase the acceleration which we use the dynamic effort for. So in using those two methods in conjunction we can we can both like increase the force and over time you see them like assist each other as you continue to build strength.
0: Yeah, sounds great. <clears throat> Do uh what about what about conditioning? Like yeah, ro- rowing, running, uh you know,
1: yeah. So good. I'm glad you asked that. So on the, on the flip side of things, you have conditioning and and really with conditioning, we're trying to build work capacity. And so like, like what, you know, what is work capacity? So work, you know, force times distance, and then our power would be, you know, divided by time. And so as, as we're trying to build work capacity, we're looking at, at uh, creating power at, at different time domains. And so, you know, how much power can you maintain in two minutes versus five minutes versus 15 minutes, 20 minutes and so on. So work capacity for the fireground is extremely broad in the fact that, you know, you know, what do you think like your power output is in the first two minutes, say you're, you're first due and you're assigned to stretch the hose line for initial fire attack. Like, what do you think your initial power output is? Is it, is it high or is it low? Or what, what does that feel like to you?
0: Well, uh, I would say with adrenaline, probably high.
1: Yeah, like, so you're doing a ton of work in a short amount of time. And so, you know, the, the ability to handle that stress is say significantly different than say something like, all right, now what does overhaul look like for you? Like intensity is way down, right? Like still getting work done, but it's spread over a long period of time. So in the fire service, we need work capacity or, you know, a common thing would be like developing gears of, you know, we want you to have a high work capacity in short domains, moderate domains and long domains. We want to develop those all together. Because, regard, you know, depending on whether you're first, second, or third do like, your job requirements might, 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 might change. And so, the conditioning is designed specifically to target these different kind of working time domains, utilizing movements that are commonly, like, seen on the fire ground. And so, you know, operating a hose line, you know, so many of the, the hose handling positions are these single leg Positions, You know, we've got, you know, or even like say search, um, you know, so we've got one leg out, looks a lot like a lunge, right? Um, versus say overhaul, we, you know, we've got arms extended overhead where we're pressing and pulling. And so, you know, designing conditioning that is going to utilize or mimic similar movements found on the fire ground and then organizing them within like a conditioning workout with a specific time domain uh, in mind. And so that's that's really and, and the conditioning is where you can get really creative, right? Uh, so CrossFit style workouts, right, are pretty popular. Um, but you know, there's there's multiple ways to do that. And but at least our conditioning is designed to build that work capacity, and they could look like anything, you know, like a, say like a triplet of rowing, wall balls, and lunges. Uh, that could be for a short time domain or, or a long time domain. Or, you know, you could take something out for, for 20 minutes we are going for a long AMRAP and we're just trying to sustain, you know, your max sustainable pace for 20 minutes as we try to develop these, these gears, um, within that conditioning aspect. So that's kind of covering that, that high intensity, right. But it's also important that we, that we address, say some of the lower intensity things, um, say like, uh, like zone two aerobic work. Like if you're familiar with that. Um, so that's, that's typically your like basic aerobic. If you think long, slow distance on a treadmill or a rower, it's just a low continuous pace. And this is like my least favorite thing to do. Um, I'm not an endurance athlete. I wasn't built to do that. Uh, I'm much better at, you know, 200 foot lengths going as fast as possible. Um, but uh, the long, slow work is really how we start to address, like, some of the cardiac issues and cardiac health. And so we've got work capacity. And now our zone two work is really trying to create uh, some longevity, heart health, and start battling some of these issues that are really plaguing the fire service when it comes to sudden cardiac events and, and those things. And so it's it's intermixing that sort of work in there as well to get the other side of the continuum so that we can get kind of a more holistic approach uh, for your health and then also as we increase your aerobic efficiency it's also going to increase your ability to recover from these higher intensity efforts so the conditioning you know it's all all these different ingredients are really working in in conjunction or combination um, to to assist each other and so it's important that that we get that other side because it's going to pay off in, in, in other ways. And so that's what we try to do with the, the program, um, with, with the career of a firefighter in mind.
0: Well, thanks for that synopsis of, of what you do. Um, when it comes to the fire service, what do you think, uh, lift wise is probably like the the best lift for, for firefighters to do?
1: The best lift. Do I only get to pick one?
0: You know, you can give it a top three. That's probably okay. more fair.
1: All right. Um, well, I'll just, so uh, a while back came up with some like strength standards. And so kind of, you know, when you look at say the big three or the big four, like classic lifts, you've got the squat, the press, and the deadlift. And so we we could, you know, those have the ability to one, create you know, the the highest, like, uh, like force, so we can lift the heaviest weights doing those things. Um, And they being compound movements, they have the ability to have a a huge impact on more than just our strength, but, uh, you know, our bone structure and our endocrine system and those things. So as we do these compound movements, you see an increase in HGH and testosterone production. And so, you know, for, for people battling maybe some of those issues on the endocrine side of things it's like man are you are you lifting uh utilizing these compound movements like that'd be a good way to elicit some of those things that maybe you are looking at possibly doing like artificially right uh but if if, if you're looking at main lifts you've got the back squat deadlift and uh you know we could we could do bench press and press and so those are kind of the, the four big ones that if you could only do four, like those I think would move the needle the most.
0: Nice. So I was kind of guessing that that was kind of the path you were going to take.
1: Yeah. So,
0: um. All right. Well, uh, some great stuff here, Eric. Uh, you know, we appreciate it. I'm going to get to some of our more generic questions that we kind of ask uh, uh, everybody, but I'm going to sure. tailor it. I'm going to tailor it to kind of your your specialty of, you know, strength and conditioning. So, um, what do you think as far as strength and conditioning when it comes to the fire service, what, what are we doing well currently and, and what are we not doing so well at?
1: Yeah, the, uh, man, what, what are we doing well? Um, I, I think we're, we're seeing, um, you know, a, a switch, uh, at least, Uh, what, what I'm seeing out there is this switch to, uh, um, a bigger emphasis on, on strength, you know, is this pendulum kind of like swings. Right. And, and so for a long time, it was, it was thought of like, man, I just need to do cardio. I just need to do, you know, get on the treadmill and, and run. Right. And, and a lot of that has to do with just our selection process. Right. So, um, you know, for many departments, uh I'm not sure how yours is. Did you have a, a physical fitness test to get on with your department?
0: Uh it's it's a CPAP. Um uh, sure. but, okay. but yes,
1: yes. Okay. And and I'd be happy to dive down. I, I got opinions on CPAP, but um so so for many it's like uh you know a mile and a half run, right? Like like that's it. And so the NFPA says that uh, you know, minimum uh aerobic capacity. Uh, to safely perform fireground activities is 12 METs, and so many departments use a mile and a half run to predict uh, what someone's VO2 max is, and they have a cutoff at that 12 METs of like this is what you need to do uh, to to get hired. Um, and so I, I think that lends itself to being singularly focused on. It's just like oh well, if it's it's just running then I think that led the fire service down this, you know, we just need to focus on cardio. And so I think what, what we're doing well is this kind of transition or switch to, to thinking about more than just cardio and starting to get back to like lifting weights. You're seeing, uh, gyms, uh, maybe start adding back in free weights, um, you know, barbells and those things, um, versus just cardio machines and so I think you know I think we're headed in the right direction there I think that's a slippery slope because as you add those things back in you start encouraging strength work you know strength is is said plays such a key role in in uh in like injury right like how does injury happen well you know any time say uh demand exceeds the capacity of say your, your joints or your tissues, like you'll, you'll experience injury. And so through strength work, I can increase the capacity uh, so that it exceeds demand and, and lower the risk of injury. Uh, so th- those are things I think are, are headed well, where the things that I I area where I think we're missing is just having physical standards. So we have a lot of standards in the, in the fire service. Uh, NFPA even has one for aerobic capacity, but you know, we, we aren't holding like a minimum standard, say for like incumbents and from year to year, typically with most of the fire departments I work with, you have to meet that initial physical standard to get hired. And then after that, it's like, it's, it's on you. Right. And I I think we're missing in that aspect By not having a standard, like an annual physical standard that can, you know, our members can be motivated to try to maintain their fitness and abilities throughout their career, uh, which is hard to do without something to motivate them to do so. I'm not after jobs, right? Like I'm I'm not promoting uh, physical standards to try to get everyone fired. I think, you know, we need to implement like an annual physical standard and we also need to supplement that and have resources ready for our members that for whatever reason have like lost their fitness or aren't meeting that standard we need to be ready and prepared to give them the necessary resources so that they can get back and they can get back to a level that allows them to perform safer on the fire ground but then also lead to them having a healthier like career and then as they retire they don't retire out like broken and damaged. They've they've been able to maintain their health and fitness so that now they can, can go like actually enjoy their retirement and, and go do those things, which like around here, you just see a lot of guys that are retiring uh, with multiple surgeries. And it's like, man, they, they worked their whole life and now they're so broken that, uh, you know, they, they don't get to do those things that they were looking looking so f- forward to do. And so our, our physical standards, um, you know, I, I think we're missing there, and we could really, really do something to improve that across the
0: country. That's a great answer, man. Um, now, kind of let's let's look in the future. Um, what would fire service? What, well, what do you hope that fire service, uh, you know, strength and conditioning looks like in you know ten plus years?
1: Yeah, so I I just took a, a trip down to South Metro um, in, in Colorado to, beautiful uh, gym. Oh man. Okay. So you're familiar. I was, you know, I I'd, I'd seen some of their stuff on, on social media and, and was had the opportunity to go down, do a site visit and and visit with their people and just look at like the programs that they're doing. And I was so impressed with the the approach that they have taken with their department. And, uh, you know, they, they had some sentinel events that led to the formation of say, like a wellness program, uh, establishing, you know, certain positions and, and bringing in resources, uh, to, to kind of support this program and the things that they're able to offer their members, um, are really impressive. and And I would love to see the fire service. You know, if we look towards them for, for guidance, I think that they are doing things like, I'd love to see a head in that direction where they are, uh, you know, even kind of treating their members as if like they're professional athletes, right? So on site, you know, they've got a clinic that, uh, members can go in and get physical therapy. They can see an athletic trainer. They could see a Cairo. Uh, they could get personal training. They've got uh, strength and conditioning coaches that are solely, like, there to provide programs and support the members. Like, that's their only job. It's not this pure fitness trainer approach where it's like, okay, we're going to take guys from the line who are, you know, fitness enthusiasts, or or maybe they're even highly qualified But we're going to we're going to ask them to take on this this fitness thing in addition to their regular job duties. Um, I I think that system falls short. Um, I think the demands are are too high to really be uh, effective there. So as we look at what South Metro is doing, I'd love to see the fire service head in this direction of, you know, we have uh, these divisions set up in our departments you know, uh training, special ops and those things, and starting to think about creating a, a wellness division that can support the members for their long-term like career and give them the the resources that 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 they need. Cause you know, so many things are stacked against us uh that we really need help when it comes to like our our physical fitness and, and those things. Um so I I'd, I'd love to see it head in that direction. I also understand that that takes a significant like monetary investment. And so for many departments, like that's not going to be possible. They just don't have the the money. They're doing the best that they can with the resources that they have. Um, and so just thinking about what what are the ideas and concepts that we can take from maybe this um, you know something like South Metro or these departments are doing and what can we take from them to, to implement? Maybe it's just annual, like annual physical exams. Um, does your department do like an annual physical exam for you guys?
0: Um, everyone is offered one. And then if you're on special, uh, special teams, you, uh, you get one. Yeah,
1: sure. So, uh, I I was teaching a class down in, uh, at Wichita hot last year and, you know, I just was like, Hey, you know, quick show of hands, uh, you know, who, who here, um, department policy takes an annual physical and like there was maybe one or two hands in this room. And it was shocking to me, um, just how behind we are in offering something as simple as that. I know in my department alone, our annual physical has saved multiple members lives. So on the cardiac stress test, I just worked with this guy, um, during his, uh, cardiac stress test on the treadmill, uh, they identified a STEMI and he, uh, you know, they sat down, evaluated him and uh, he, he had a widow maker. And so he was in the next day getting a stint and getting that taken care of. And in talking to him, it's like, how lucky was he? Had he gotten, you know, not gotten that annual physical, you know, his next structure fire, like that's a line of duty death for us. And so something as simple as departments, you know, initiating an annual physical, I think, could could save a lot of lives and and support their members um, if they can find, you know, the resources to do that for them.
0: Nice. Um, and lastly, a little bit of a, a rapid fire. Um, so far, what's uh, what's been the best class you've attended?
1: Um. Yeah, you know, I was just listening to, to Brian's um, podcast, uh, which which was awesome. So I'm going to try not to – we have very similar answers, uh, so I'm going to try to try to do something different. But uh, Best best Class, was that, was that the question? Yes, sir. Uh, so uh, DIY by uh, Gary Lane. You familiar with that one?
0: Uh, yeah, I've, I've helped Gary a handful of times too. It's a good oh, class. Oh, man.
1: So like, I, I love that class. I've taken it from Gary Lane multiple times. Um, and, and one like Gary Lane, like he's just one of my favorite people in the world. Uh, I wish I got to hang out with him more, but that DIY class that he gave is it, it it seems so like spot on to the types of like fires that that we're getting at least in, in this area. And so as he was running scenarios And doing all these things, it was like, oh man, I had a fire just like this, or I had a fire, like, man, this scenario is just like, I, I, they lined up with so many of my experiences that as I took his class, I was like, man, I wish I would have taken this class before those, because I probably would have like done things different and, you know, we would have had better, you know, more successful outcomes. And so, uh, I love that class, um you know, I think pretty highly of Gary. And, and so, yeah, I'd say that that DIY engine ops glass is, is a good one.
0: Yeah. And I mean, as far as uh, you know, suburban land, you know, if you're the first new engine, there ain't nobody else coming for another five you know, minutes or so. And it's just you, you yeah. got a force, you got to stretch a line, guys yeah. are doing a search. So, I mean, it's, it's money.
1: Yeah, you, you may or may not have somebody in, in in pajamas come out and start talking to you, and, you know, who, who knows what, what uh, Gary Lane might might throw at you, but these scenarios, I'm like, dude, we had the same thing happen at this, you know, trailer fire or whatever. So, yeah, no, I, I think it's a great class.
0: All right. Uh, what about uh, best conference? Which, by the way, I got to use this time. Like, you guys have a lot of good ones uh, around you. You know, uh, Boise uh, Fire Symposium has been going on for, like, it's been back, I should say, for about six, seven, eight years, something like that. Yeah, you, know, you got March Mayhem. Ken Bowman had something going on for a little bit. You know, so some good stuff around your area.
1: Yeah, we're, we're we're super fortunate, you know. And if you think about just within this corridor that that we're kind of in, like we we've got some real heavy hitters as far as you know in the fire service. And um, and so we we've got you know, the things that you mentioned, Boise fire symposium, what Gino's doing with March mayhem. Um, and then, you know, my, my favorite, uh, back in the day before it disappeared was the firemanship conference. And so just in the Northwest, we, we just had so many good options, but, uh, I think, you know, one of my favorite conferences was, and I'm not sure if they're doing it anymore, but, uh, Sean Marvin from Eagle Fire used to put together this, uh, mountain home fire conference. Uh, that's, that was just a little ways out outside. And, uh, it wasn't big and it was just, you know, it was very like basic, but the, the group of firefighters that showed up to that, this may be their like only conference they get to, like there wasn't a lot of glam and glitz. Uh, all the instructors were, uh, you know, everyone is volunteer, and everyone's there just because they they want to be there and and help out maybe like an underserved group of the fire service from from these really smaller departments. And uh, so I I would just like to kind of give a shout out to to um to that fire conference is is probably one of my favorites is is it the the ability that it had to to touch you know and make an impact on on firefighters that that don't have the the resources that, that so many, so many of us do.
0: Nice. Sean's a, Sean's a good man. Yeah. Um, what, uh, what's the best book you've read or books? If you can't name just one.
1: Yeah. Um, so I, I think my, the, the book that I've probably given out and recommended the most is called uh legacy um, so it's a, it's a book about, uh, the New Zealand, all blacks and their culture. And so the New Zealand, all blacks, uh, arguably the, the most successful sports team, like in history, when you look at, at their win percentage, not including the, the last couple of years, you know, when we think of dynasties, we probably think of, uh, you know, Alabama college football, we think of maybe the Patriots and, and some of these other classics, but, uh, as far as internationally in sports go, like the All Blacks, like the winningest team in in history, and this book dives into kind of the the inner workings of their organization and their culture, and the how related I saw that to the fire service and all the lessons that can be applied to say building a culture within your department within your company. Um, Legacy is is probably one of my my all time favorites, and and I wish. We would we would take more of of the the lessons from that and apply it to our to our own organization.
0: Nice. um and then lastly, what uh what podcasts do you think that we should be we should be listening to or looking into?
1: You know uh, podcasts i I listen to I kind of go uh in in spurts. Um, I'm, I'm pretty into like the performance and, and, uh, like, I, I don't read a lot of say like nonfiction or excuse me, fiction. I, I, I like listening to podcasts that are going to present and, and I feel like I'm learning something from, so, you know, whether it's Andrew Huberman or Peter Attia and those things, um, I, there's, there's not a lot of fire podcasts that I listen to anymore. Um, and unfortunately it's like, I used to follow a lot of these and uh as I've had the opportunity to go out and, and work with these individuals at conferences and instruct with them, uh, I was left disappointed in, in many of them because they just they aren't who they like appear to be on their podcast. And then in real person, it's like you know, I've been let down by by a lot of groups. Your podcast not included. I just I just have to to make mention of that. But um you know I, I like the the fire nuggets podcast uh once in a while i'll, I'll listen to uh Corley Moore and the weekly scrap. Uh, I like that one um, i'm I'm not really married to to a single podcast I think i I think I go looking for guests so as I like read or I come across you know things uh you know if, if i if I see a video or someone has mentioned in a podcast, I I go searching for guests that I want to like learn more about. And so if I had to recommend, if there are people you like to hear from, you know, whether it's, it's Gary Lane or Aaron Fields, or, you know, people that inspire you in the fire service, like search podcasts at the, and listen to, to a handful, because each podcast comes at a different angle and different things. It's like, just like what you guys did with Aaron Fields, you know, if you're expecting, you know, he's got plenty of podcasts on on Nozzle Forward, but you know, he he goes in and really dove into the depths of Aaron Fields when it comes to like linguistics and language and all that on uh, on your last episode. So, I think I go looking for guests and just try to try to hear different uh, vantage points. Probably not that's, not a good answer for you, but
0: no that's that's actually great. And uh, when when we interviewed Aaron, I actually had to have Google up. I had to look up like three or four words that he said because I had no idea what he was talking about.
1: Oh yeah, man. So, yeah. Uh, and,
0: and just because I know Steven Tyler will listen to this, you know, uh, bring bring back uh, refined by fire, Steven. <laughs> you know, do it. It's a yeah. good thing. I I, I think I say that about every other episode. So, dude, and, uh, I.
1: I, I enjoy uh Stephen Tyler immensely uh, I miss his podcast uh since starting my own podcast uh man you know it, it's a very difficult process for me and so the, the amount of time that goes into what you guys do uh it's it's impressive to to see it continually um you know as you guys pump out really good episodes uh, um yeah I talking to Steve and man it's God, it just takes a lot of work. and uh, yeah, all right, you know, I'll text them and I'll call them after we're done here and tell them to bring it back.
0: <laughs> perfect. yeah, um all right, well, that that uh, pretty much closes up most of our questions. If there's anything else you'd like to add, you can uh, shoot it out there now.
1: No, nah, man, I, I appreciate uh, the opportunity to come on. I know we've been talking about it for a while. And uh, hopefully we're able to give you a little insight kind of what, what we're doing and and on the strength and conditioning side of the fire service. And, and hopefully uh, it uh, is valuable to to your listeners. So thanks.
0: Yeah, no, this uh, this definitely hit what, what we were looking to have have done. Um if somebody wants to get a hold of you or wants to see how they could possibly get a program or have questions, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you?
1: Yeah, so uh we've got uh, the firehouse strength and conditioning on, on, uh, Instagram. Um, so that's firehouse SC and then, uh, emails, uh, firehouse strength coach at, at gmail.com. Those are, those are probably the best ways to reach me. Uh, I, uh, I don't spend a lot of time on, on social media. So sometimes it takes a while. Uh, if someone shoots me a message there to get back to them, but uh, you can uh, visit our website, conditioning.com to learn more about the program. Um, shoot me an email, firehousestrengthcoach at gmail.com or uh, hit, hit us up on, on Instagram.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Eric. Uh, it was a great conversation and uh, hopefully see you next month. I th- I'm pretty sure I'll be out there. So,
1: Yeah, firemanship. Right on, man.
0: All right, man. Thanks, dude. All
1: right, thanks.